Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Hi, listeners. I want to tell you about a cause that I'm involved with at Heritage Radio Network. HRN is celebrating its 15th year And to celebrate, we're deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hey, babe, what you got there? This is a check from Carvana. I just sold my car to them. I went online and Carvana gave me an offer right away. Then they just picked up the car and gave me this. Oh, that's a big check. Well, obviously you could put this towards your next car, or we could finally get that jacuzzi, or I could start taking tuba lessons, or I could quit my job and write my memoir. Or I can put it towards my next car with Carvana. Sorry, your check, not mine. Sell your car to Carvana. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get a real offer in seconds. Hey, listeners. I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week, they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like Oteil Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, join the Fab Foe, Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. 
Check out magicalmysterycamp.com slash helpingfriendly to learn more. Osiris. We are live on Sunday, February 27th. This is the Helping Friendly Podcast on tour, live, coming at you, talking about Fish Mexico. Three days in a row we've been doing this. This has been a ton of fun. I am here, Brian Brinkman, hanging out with my friends Jonathan and Megan. We have a very, 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 very special guest coming on here soon. Who's going to be talking with us about night three of fish in Mexico, breaking down what did we all hear? What were our highlights? What were our potential lowlights? You can share lowlights. We can get into it. We can hash out if we have disagreements and kind of where we hear the state of fish at this point in time. Um, I'm very excited to get into this, to talk about this show. I thought last night was very interesting. I thought it was fascinating in parts and I thought it had thematic moments that we have been talking about here in the last couple of weeks before or couple of days, I should say. Um, Before we get into all of that, Jonathan, how are you doing here on this Sunday, February 27th? I'm pretty good. I'm really disappointed in the fish for coming out and playing really long songs. I was hoping to get 20, 30 (laughs) songs in last night and they didn't do it. Um, But other than that, I, I feel like I'm rebounding. My morning's been good. So, you know, it'll be an okay day in spite of my disappointments. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Having the urge for Fish to go back to a period where they played 25 to 27 songs a show is is an interesting take. We haven't heard that yet, but we'll break that down. I promise. Uh, Megan. New new energy to the show. (laughs) (laughs) Megan, how are you doing today? You are coming off of a uh, lovely little getaway. How are you feeling? Are you feeling energized? Are you feeling revitalized? Were you ready to see your kids today? Tell us, give us a full breakdown of what's going on. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it was a great little getaway. You know, I feel like the way you feel after a weekend away where you've maybe been partying a little bit too much, but you really needed it. So you feel kind of like energized in like a soulful way, but like really tired in a body way. Um, but luckily my husband is super tolerant and he listened to a lot of fish this weekend, despite not being a fan. (laughs) And we kind of coordinated a lot of our events around me being back in the room to be able to watch some live streams. So, um, shout out to him for being super cool. And, um, yeah, it was a fun weekend. I feel like I got to like have a weekend away and I got to watch a ton of awesome fish. So I'm happy. Sweet. It's a really... That's some amazing sacrifice on your husband, be, husband's behalf. And we should definitely give <laughs> him a big shout out here. It's yeah. I, you should I definitely watched, do a podcast. I, I'm home about, and I watched it by myself last night. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. We, we should definitely do a, an Just episode at some point internet. about the uh, the 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 dichotomy between the fish loving spouse and the not fish loving <laughs> yeah. spouse, and, and how you make this work in in your households. Because <laughs> I don't I don't experience this. My wife and I met because of fish, but uh, I certainly feel it for everyone who who has to make those sacrifices from time to time. Um, well, I'm glad to see you back, Jonathan. I'm glad to see you here again. Um, we are going to get into the show here today. Before we do that, we have two quick pieces of business to uh, present to you all. I want to uh, encourage everyone out there who's listening 
to please subscribe to Osiris Media on Apple Podcasts. It's $4.99 a month. Your first week is a free trial, so you can test everything out, see if you like it. Um, allows you to hear all our episodes ad-free. It also allows you to hear bonus episodes, including bonus HF pod episodes, bonus undermine interviews, uh, bonus under the scales episodes. A lot more is coming. We're planning out some AMAs for March, as well as some behind the scenes features about how a couple of our podcasts get made, which should be really cool. Um, but we would encourage you all to go onto Apple Podcasts, subscribe to Osiris Media. It's the best way to support what we do and support independent podcasts. Other point of business, I forget which of you is going to do this, but uh, whoever is going to tell us about Jonathan. Jonathan, uh, can I'll you go. tell us about our friends at Sunset Lake CBD? Sunset Lake CBD. Why spend more when you can get affordable, high-quality CBD straight from the farm? Today's show is sponsored by Sunset Lake CBD, a Vermont hemp farm crafting affordable CBD products designed to help with sleep and stress without breaking the bank. Sunset Lake CBD products... uh, uh, Sunset Lake CBD crafts their products with hemp grown on their family farm and ships them directly to customers, cutting out all the costs associated with getting them on shelves at stores. They have CBD products for every occasion. They offer tinctures, salves, edibles, coffee, smokables, even pet products. Um, I've never given my pet CBD, but you know I've spoken about it often, but I use their their hemp salve which uh, if you're watching, you'll see zooming in on your screen uh, all the time. And uh, I love it. I use it on my hands. It uh, it helps them uh, feel good and relaxed. And uh, yeah, it's great. So you should check them out today at www.sunsetlakecbd.com. Use the coupon code HFPOD, getting 20% off all products. Sunset Lake CBD, farmer owned, Vermont grown. What great friends of ours they are. We love them. You did a great job. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Anything else that we need to cover before we jump into the show here? You guys feel ready? Ready to jump in? You know, I want to confess to the world that I may not actually get that Broke Down Pod episode done for Tuesday, but we'll see. This this Mm, is a good throwback to yesterday's episode. We were were talking Broke Down Pod yesterday, which we always recommend on HF Pod as well. And we are are here hoping that Jonathan can get it done. If not, maybe the next week. We'll see. Um, So we're going to move on and we're going to talk to our very special guest, Ben Greenfield, who can be found on Twitter at GuyForgeOPT. He is the most knowledgeable man in the fish community about the song Jennifer Dances. He was uh, the one-time <laughs> writer for the online fish tour website, a great website that I frequented. He occasionally, regularly, occasionally, I guess you could say, writes the skinny for Jambase. He is an all-around great thinker, great communicator about fish, and a lover of all things gravy and salt in gravy. Ben Greenfield, welcome to the Helping Friendly Podcast on tour. How are you doing here today, my man? I'm good. Um, you know, I actually, um, on my last doctor's visit, my blood pressure was a little bit high. And the the doctor said, you know, you're, you're going to need to switch to a low salt diet for a little while. And I was like, you know, that that's kind of essentially what you're saying to me is I need to put a little bit less salt in the gravy tonight. He didn't get it. I, I was like, what, what's wrong with you, dude? 
Anyway, you were like, I how many December '99 fish shows have you heard? I clearly <laughs> none that had Jennifer dances. My gosh, <laughs> how are you doing today, dude? Good, good, great to be with you good, guys. Good. Likewise, good we're to excited have to have you. Yeah, thanks for um, coming. Tell us, we're talking here about February 26, 2022, the third fish show of the Mexico run. Tell me before we jump into the show itself, give me kind of your breakdown of what you were thinking about the first two nights in Mexico and where you hear fish going into night three. Yeah. So I think the big question on my mind as I was going into this is like on the heels of 2021, which was such an incredible and breakthrough year for the band. Does that energy, does that approach to crafting a show carry over? Or, you know, was that like a kind of a one-time thing and now they're moving past it? Um, and, uh, you know, the the feeling that I have gotten from the first two nights and continued to, to get maybe even more from the third night is like, no, this this band is, is still on fire. And, you know, they're still um, sounding incredibly inspired. Like, I think the best sign of where the band is right now is that the arguments that are occurring online have nothing to do with like the quality of the playing. It's all arguments about Trey mm. sweater and the Dave Matthews. Yeah. Thing. <laughs> um, and it's if fish sweater. fans are not arguing about the quality of the jams, you know, they're playing real well. <laughs> so when they're nitpicking gets like very, very deep, it's uh yeah, the, the music's great. Let's just figure something else to complain about. <laughs> exactly. Well, we do have exactly. a segment about the sweater coming up. So we'll have to, we will be getting into that. Um, we do have a segment. About we have differing opinions on the sweater too. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I agree with you. I thought a lot of that going into this, um, you know, there was a sensation coming out of fall 2021 that I remember feeling of they've figured out a way to upend the structure of a fish show and the structure of a show almost doesn't matter um, in fall 2021 compared to previous years, they can play any song at any point uh, during the show. Any song can jam and you're relatively unsafe in a lot of cases walking into a fish show. You don't get this like, you know, slow opening this kind of welcome. We're going to get a couple of the kinks out. We're going to warm ourselves up and then we're going to play a jam for you and set to kind of anything can happen. And Ben, in the first two nights of Mexico, did you feel like they accomplished like bringing that stylistic uh, pattern over? Yeah, I, my feeling was like night one was was uh, less so than light, night two. I mean, night one, I think, had two factors that were somewhat complicating. One was the fact that it was a one set show, which just kind of makes the rhythm a little bit different. And then the second is obviously it's it's the first show they've played before an audience for a few months. Um, and yet it was still a really, really solid show, all things considered. And then uh, and then night two totally f felt like they were back in their groove, you know, like you were seeing songs like sort of effortlessly stretch out. And then and then also, you know, like you're you're like you're saying the structure of the show, it felt like they could do anything and figure out a way to make it work. Um, and that's just just a really cool thing. And, you know, when they when they bring in like the segues, reprise parts of jams and parts of songs um it doesn't feel forced it doesn't feel gimmicky it just yeah. feels natural and and uh and really flows in a really cool way so so yeah it definitely felt that way and then and then uh you know just took it up a step last night 
Well, let's get into it. So we we have the band come out on stage here Saturday, February 26th. They open up with the very familiar riff of Axela, but we suddenly have a debate. What is Trey going to sing? Is he going to say Summer? Or is he going to sing the start of the lyrics to Axela Part 1? He starts to sing Axela Part 1. Megan, I believe you texted <laughs> us that he's singing the right lyrics. Tell me tell me your thoughts no! on the between. Okay, did I get this wrong? Tell, tell me your thoughts on where we're at. The Axela 2 lyrics are so much better. They just okay. are. Yeah. But I do think coming out playing either one of those songs is a statement and I think an awesome way to start a show. And adding the coda, the part two coda onto the end was genius. And I thought that was super cool. Apparently they've done that before, but I, I didn't remember that. So that was really cool to hear them do that. I really liked that as an opening. I thought it was cool. I think my comment in that text thread was it doesn't <laughs> matter to me which lyrics they sing. Like I kind of like them both different. They're different, but I like them both. I like the sound of the song as much as anything. So mm-hmm. I, I'll take whatever lyrics as long as we get that part where we go. And then Dakota, which is rad, um, wasn't stretched out this time, which is, you know, I think to be expected. They're not going to do it like they did in Vegas every time. Uh, it was just, but it's cool that they did it. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I thought it, I thought it worked. Ben, you uh, okay with that opener? Do you have an issue, uh, a uh, opinion on the one versus two? No, I really don't. I think um, I was someone who listened to Hoist for like probably multiple years before i ever got my first live tape so like it it, Mm. i think it took me like five years at the beginning of my fish show going career to get used to the fact that like axilla part one was Mm -hmm. the one i was going to see live um but at this point like yeah i'm kind of indifferent but the uh but i i totally agree like tacking on the part two ending totally makes it and like i i think like the fact that it was missing for so long um, makes it still sound so fresh every time that they do it, even if it's not like a Vegas, you know, 15 minute or whatever mm-hmm. that was version. Yeah. Yeah. And this was still, I mean, if you take Axla one and the Coda part, it's it's still about a seven minute long Axla for a song that's usually in the three minute range. I thought mm-hmm. it was, I thought it was a cool opener in the sense that Axla, Axla one opened my second fish show ever. And it's kind of one of those openers. It's almost like Karini, Mm-hmm. Um, where the second you hear that chord, you just, you're in and there's no going back and you've kind of crossed over and there's no, it, you know, what we were talking about Megan on Friday when they come out to play lizards and it's just this kind of like blissful entrance mm-hmm. and you kind of slowly walk into the show. Um, when Axelos starts, you're just, you're there. And so to combine one with the two ending, it, it kind of puts another tool in their toolbox of what they can do to mm-hmm. mess with the crowd because now every time axel starts you're going to wonder to yourself okay which version are they going to sing are they going to put the coda on it's just like fun little gimmickry um that little jam kind of turns into a psychedelic swampy jam and at some point they go into twist which was a little bit off rhythm initially they were kind of figuring out how to how to step into this i was wondering for a second i was like this is definitely twist but are we actually hearing like a sci-fi soldier song that I've just misplaced? Um, but you get this rare early twist that then turns into really gorgeous deep jamming almost immediately in the show 
which Jonathan, you and I were talking about yesterday with regards to the ghost. And we referenced back in our text chain when they're jamming at this level, this early in the show, it tends to Mm -hmm. pretend good things that like they're already feeling it. Jonathan, what were your thoughts as, as this twist was taken off? I think one of my earliest thoughts was fuck. Yeah. Like, um, if if you'll excuse me getting all eggheady on you, um, yeah, please, please. No, I, I I just, I was, I was thrilled. I like, I was like, they drop into twists. I'm like, okay, cool. I expectations. I try not to have too many. Um, and so I was perfectly immediately accepting of, you know, a short little twist, which would not be crazy because that's, you know, on average, about half of them are not super long i i could be wrong on my my numbers but numbers are somebody else's job um but you know they don't they don't quite stretch that and that's fine um but here they did and they you know they got got out there into a really i thought really pleasant jam that wasn't you know didn't entirely uh contain didn't really have a lot of that oye como va or any of that that kind of stuff that they often fall into with twist and would be totally excusable and in fact probably quite welcome to people chilling on a beach in Cancun. Uh they it was a nice kind of fresh sounding jam and uh and then it then it got funky and you know moved on. Uh, I, I thought it yep. yeah it was good. Really great early great spot great thing for the number two slot. Very great thing for the number two slot. Ben I want to ask you just like in terms of you know, them playing a song like Twist in essentially the second song of the show, it's it's billed on Live Fish as Axla 1, Axla 2, Twist. But for all intents and purposes, it's Axla into Twist. And then just seamlessly dropping into this melodic bliss jam feels very weightless. And that segueing seamlessly into your pet cat. Think back to like early 3.0. Like why, why do you think that they are suddenly comfortable jamming like this so early in the show where this was such an unknown thing and 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 frankly something nobody would ever have expected five six ten years ago i mean my take on it is is always that like the amount of jamming that the band is going to do is like directly proportional to just like how relaxed they're feeling um this is like this is something that that rob mitchum has been talking about in some of his um 25th anniversary essays um like yesterday who was comparing the uh february 97 europe tour to the uh summer 96 tour and like whereas mm-hmm. the summer 96 tour it's like very buttoned up like you can hear in february 97 they've come back to to the same cities um but they just feel like a hundred percent more relaxed um and and it feels to me like it felt to me in early 3.0 like especially trey was not a hundred percent confident and relaxed being on stage and you know when they're when they're just up there kind of sounding like they're just hanging out with their friends jamming um you know they i i feel like they get so much more comfortable just just kind of letting things go where they're gonna go um and uh yeah it's it you know it's refreshing to see i just i just hope that it that it just lasts and lasts yeah this this yeah. level of just like being totally at comfort with each other and themselves on stage is a really really cool thing what, what were you gonna say Jonathan well I was gonna say I think there's um some 
something additional to that is we were talking yesterday, you know, this is what the fifth time they've been to Mexico, you know, so they've, they know the people they're working with. They know the place they are. Trey's been down there since uh, sometime last weekend, right? Cause he sat in with Dave at the <laughs> beginning of the beginning of the week. So he's settled in and at home, so to speak on vacation. And that's got to contribute to that feeling too. You know, we don't know how long the rest of the band has been down there, but They've got a. They, they must be settled and relaxed where they are. Uh, it's a lot. Fishman looks like he's been playing nighters. drums on the beach since like. Fishman right after looks the like he's been show. going. He's been having a good time. I think he's taking some time. surf lessons, and he's just like. Oh my god! Drinking out of a. He's coconut. been living down there since uh, right after the New Year's show. I've been <laughs> dinner every night. Cast yeah. away, <laughs> Meg, what were your thoughts? So we we move into your pet cat. This like uh contrast and and complementary jamming between this atmospheric ambient eno style jamming and your pet cat just goes into like this kind of demented groove that like to me strikes me as stuff that you you tend to to love I do like it. Yeah, no, I think that that ending, they're like twist ends so beautifully. It's like a really pretty ending. And then you just hear Trey playing that do like really quietly and then it kind of creeps up and I'm like yes and this your pet cat just rocks I mean it just is super funky rich like I was in my hotel room I think my husband was like dozing off and I was like dancing like (laughs) yes like this is my kind of fish I feel like this moment and also like the howling from the first night there's been some other moments that are really really funky they're doing a lot of like kind of bluesy funky sounds and I'm super into it. That's kind of like the fish that I would love to have even more of too, but never even thought to ask for it. But I feel like we're getting so many different sounds and textures in this run. It's it's amazing. And I thought this song was awesome. I thought it rocked really great. That last point, it's really interesting. I would like to present a question to the group. Like the idea of we're getting so many different styles can in some cases, and I think in this run is really complimenting them because we're hearing a ton of diversity within each jam. And they're kind of at this point where it seems like every song can jam. So you get a lot of different differentiation in terms of where jam ultimately goes. But I often think back to like earlier periods in 3.0 where there was kind of this frenetic Trey kind of wanted to play a rock song and then he wanted to play a slower song and then he wanted to play in a funky style. Like, Jonathan, how do you hear the band better incorporating like a diversity of sound into a way that feels so organic and natural? I think by and large, organic is the right word. By and large, Mm -hmm. everything just kind of flows. They find their way into different sounds and different grooves. You know, yes, maybe the next song. Well, most likely the next song is going to be quite different. Uh, if they stop in particular than the song they were just doing, but you know, that's normal. But when they're, they're finding it within the jams, it's happening very naturally, very comfortably. And um, there's no, I hate this word when used in context with fish uh, these days. Well, in the, for a while now, but it's not forced. Um, they're just letting it happen and it they're finding it and kind of building these different sounds together we'll get some more of it in set two there's one particular jam i want to talk about but um you know it's great it's a lot of fun and i i want to second you know megan's thought about 
she was dancing in the room when your pet cat was on it that pried me off the sofa i was uh mm-hmm. i was definitely very much in the sofa uh until <laughs> <laughs> until that came totally. on i was like man i got to i got to move i got to get up this is great <laughs> and uh that was a lot of fun it was a lot of fun i imagine um it really shook a few people loose after that more dreamy uh twist jam mhm yeah that the, the, the you don't think of axilla and twist as being like a uh, a snooze fest of of a one two opener but um, right. yeah the, the, <laughs> i wouldn't the, call the, it a snooze but i was zoning Right. No, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, I feel like one of the cool things about the fact that they have been exploring so many sounds is like a jam can end up in a completely different um, place from where the song comes from. So, you know, totally. you can get like, yeah. you know, like a a bliss jam out of like a Karini or you can get like a funk jam out of, you know, uh, Harry Hood, like anything mm-hmm. can happen. And, uh, and I think that's one of the ways that they, that they've found to kind of, not make it feel like they're jerking around, you know, from, from place to place um, is just by like, you know, they find what feels natural out of any song um, regardless of where this song actually started. Yeah. And we'll get into this. Like there seems to be this new technique that they're utilizing that we'll, we'll talk about when we get into Wolfman's. I just, I find is, is, is allowing them to just open things up and go in a multitude of directions as a result. But um, I think it, it's, it's a really interesting combination. I've got to wonder what it's like to be on stage because, you know, we we talked about it a bit yesterday, Jonathan. Like, I don't know. I don't think that they're at a period right now where they're walking off stage and critiquing each other the way that they were in the mid 90s. I think it's a lot more. They're just going with the way that they're feeling. But there, there, there sounds like there has to be some intentionality behind or at least some acknowledgement of we're playing really well right now. And when we get on mm-hmm. stage, we can kind of just do anything. Like I wrote during your pet cat songs just don't matter anymore. Like these set lists, mm-hmm. it's great to hear these fish songs, but like it almost does not matter what song they play. They could play an entire set of songs that the vast majority of the fan base doesn't want to hear and still play a great show because whatever they're going to do, they're going to mm-hmm. fall into something that is brilliant. They don't have to play fish doesn't have radio hits, but you know what I mean? They don't have to play the hits to the crowd that everybody loves. I mean, they don't have to play tweezer every night. They don't have Mm -hmm. to play tweezer. They don't have to play mics. Um, You know, these are, they're, they're at a point where they have this combination of new music and whatever all their old, you know, music is, and they can just kind of play it. Stacy Klein says it perfectly here. From my perspective, the music is just channeled through them. And I think that that says it really well. Um, Moving through the set here, we move into Divided Sky, which is my personal favorite fish song ever. I will hear it at any point in time and smile and remember my very first fish tape. Really emotional version here. Trey asked Chris to to turn out the lights. Mm -hmm. What were you guys' thoughts? Um, Mike, starting with you, what were your thoughts on this Divided Sky? It was just beautiful. I mean, his tone was so beautiful during this Divided Sky. I just kept hearing his guitar and how good it sounds. I mean, it's, it's, he was, it sounded beautiful. I also thought that moment was really moving and he was clearly feeling it. You know, I think that you can tell when Trey's feeling Divided Sky because it just, it is such a beautiful piece of music. But when you have that like strong emotion behind it, I feel like it just comes, it resonates even deeper. 
great placement. Like interesting. I wasn't expecting that out of your pet cat, but it was, it was great. Beautiful. You know, I, I was a little surprised this morning to look at the, uh, the timing on that divided sky. Cause it felt like there was a little extra something on the back end, mm-hmm. and, but it's still only like 16 minutes long. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a real nice, nice version. Um, I, I, I wonder was, uh, did Kuroda just not hear Trey? Was he not paying attention when he asked him to turn the lights off or did I he know. not think he was serious? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I was ready for Trey to be like, Chris, like, if you don't f- turn the fucking lights off, like, you're fired. Yeah. Like, I'm not fight you. Like, come on. Like, we like you and everything, but, like, come on. <laughs> but I guess you do a pretty good job. You got one but... job. Maybe two. Turn them on, turn them off. Come on. <laughs> but the, I, I have to say that, like, the Axilla callback, the don't shine that thing in my face, mm-hmm. man. Yeah, that was cool. Good luck. That was funny. Yeah. Yeah, when he's yeah, feeling he's like. hilarious, and, I, and it's it, when he. When he calls back to that, he thinks that's he just thinks that is the funniest bit. Clearly, <laughs> you know, like I I could just see it's not in tracking, but I could just see Trey from you know in the studio just going, "That's so funny, man! Let's don't shine it. Yeah. That's great. That's not, you know he's just loving <laughs> yeah. it and he's cracking up, talking about it at lunch the ne- that uh, afternoon. You know, so totally. That was the Everyone one just kind of nodding along a little bit. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> So we go divided sky. We go mole. Anyone have any thoughts on this version of mole? I like mole. I hope they keep keep playing it and uh, develop it because it's got it's got legs if they want to walk. Mm-hmm. I really nice liked placement. a couple of the versions over the summer. The uh, I believe the gorge version and the Santa Barbara version, both from the fall, both had some really, really cool elements to it. And I, I kind of thought we were going to get that from this first big mic song of the run, mm. but it was, uh, it was, it was there. It was good. It's a, it's a, it's a good new mic song. Um, we moved then. It's about tacos into Wolf- too. It's about tacos. It's got, um, it's got at least we, a line. We, <laughs> we moved then into Wolfman's brother, which, um, I'll just come out and say this was this was my favorite jam of the run thus far, aside from Karini, uh, which we talked about yesterday. And this, before we all dive into it as a group, I just want to note like this is where I'm really hearing a, a theme. We talked about it a bit yesterday, but it's re- it's immediately present here. They play the Wolfman's. It drops almost immediately into this silent mm-hmm. melodic jamming that we've been hearing from the band through this run. You get a bit of funk, but you get this kind of weightlessness. The bottom drops out and they're kind of just floating and bobbing along the water. And I don't know if this is intentional, or if this is just something that they fell into on night one with the tweezer and just kind of kept returning to it. But it allows them this opportunity to go naturally into any sort of style of music. But it also allows them to really just stretch out in the same way. And I don't want to be blasphemous, okay? So I'm just going to warn everyone. But in the same way that that middle section of the MSG 2019 tweezer was so silent, so quiet, Mm. so contemplative, so melodic, and just allows them to drift along, you're starting to get that approach to these jams. Um, last thing I will say, and I'm going to throw it to you, Ben, for your thoughts. 
I did the math. I did the numbers. I did the, I looked on fish.net's jamming chart. I think that this is the best version of Wolfman's that we've heard since 12, 28, 1998. Um, ben, any thoughts on that statement? Any thoughts on the Wolfman's overall? Um, oh gosh. I, so I, I was at the 12, 28, 12 show, as well as 12, 103, two excellent, excellent versions of Wolfman's. Good Wolfman's. Yeah, and uh, and 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 I'm not feeling the urge to uh, to yell at you about that opinion. So I think you might actually, I might actually agree with it. Um, it was really, <laughs> it, it was really good. Um, and it, yeah, it, that's the thing is it, it like went to so many great places. But as you sort sort of were getting at, I think my favorite part might have been like just what happened at the beginning of the jam because it was it was so unique like the fact that they they didn't switch keys they didn't change the rhythm like they everything about it was sort of like you know it, by the textbook definition probably still a type one jam and yet it didn't sound like a wolfman's jam and when you've played a song um you know i don't know 150 times i don't know how many times they've played wolfman's and yet like right away you can find a new space to go with it um it's it's so impressive and really speaks to to just how closely they're listening to each other right now and how creative mm -hmm. they're feeling. Um, it it also just like you know what you're talking about with the weightlessness. Like there's there's clearly like a vibe on that beach and uh, and it makes me wish that I was there to hear it. Um, but it you know it kind of reminds me like each time that I've been to a fish festival, it feels like there's just sort of like the there's a, an atmosphere that's created just by the you know the surroundings and the speakers and everything and um and like it allows the band to just get into a space immediately that they don't get into at normal shows and it seems like the same kind of thing must be happening here it's just like everything that, about the atmosphere is just creating a musical space for them um and yeah it's it's really cool to hear 214 times they played Wolfman's brother, according to science <laughs> and the internet. Um, I, it's funny, my favorite part of this Wolfman's jam is actually towards the end when Trey has all but brought it back. It's not in the original key, and he's scatting along. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, I love that i love the way they got there i enjoyed the process and everything about the jam love the way they got there and and it raises a, a question that i brought up last night in our little text thread which is should trey have tried to bring it back to the original key and end the song in the standard fashion i'm going to argue that um no i don't think he needed to i think mm. he could have landed it from that ad hoc that finish and just gone where what way it went and not changed keys i think it was it was for a moment just a brief second it was jarring it's just like oh mm -hmm. and then he went on and it finished just fine and and you know i'm happy and it was an outstanding version um but you know yeah that one little bit of jarring bit makes me want to throw the whole thing in the trash can and walk away <laughs> it doesn't really but yes. but you know but I, i'm serious about the question uh so i, I want to i'm of the mindset that, that to the room i'm of the mindset that an unfinished like the way that they finished a song i heard the ocean sing uh on the second night is kind of how i would uh kind of my 
desired way to end a jam that has gone so far astray. There's no way, there's no reason to bring it back officially. I remember the um, Carini from Dick's last year that closed out set one. Um, ben actually tweeted something that um, Fish has never ripcorded a jam off a song with that song before. Mm. Which is to say that like they had gotten so far astray and they peaked the jam and then Trey decided in the moment, okay, we have to close it with Carini because if we don't, people are going to be demanding refunds when the chords that he was on, he could have just hit those power chords. Fishman could have hit the symbols end of set. So that to me would be my, my preferred approach, but Ben, Megan, what are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I think an organic ending is always kind of what I'd prefer. I mean, I think like, Ending the jam where it leads to me is always more satisfying. I think if, you know, obviously those moments when they land back perfectly in, I think like your pet cat, even that little jam landed perfectly back in the song, that's just incredibly satisfying. I mean, that's the best. And they have so many of those moments. But I think if they've done a, a jam like this, I mean, the interplay between like Trey and Paige in this jam is like so tonal and it gets to that space, like reminded me of Paige's album maybe we're the visitors. It sounded like the soundtrack mm, to like a mm. desolate planet movie. Like it was just super cool and spacey and and then it got so beautiful. And I mean, I think when you've gone on that kind of a journey, which is what I always want fish to do, take me on a journey during, during a jam. I don't need to go back home. Like just send me off into space, you know, just I'm, I'm ready to just like drift away, you know? I'm, so I agree. I agree, Jonathan. Ben? Yeah, yeah, I, I think we're uh, kind of unanimous here. I mean, it's mm. yeah, it's, I, I think it's like you're saying it's it's a little bit like uh, like being woken up from a dream or something. Yeah. You know? um, I mean, how many down with diseases don't get finished? Like ninety yeah, percent so of them on Most. Fishnet have the little tag mm-hmm. unfinished. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's fine. Nice. And but when he when he and I think Matt Emmer has a comment. Um, uh, and he's right, but I think he misunderstand right. understood my my point, which is, yeah, he it he took it back mm-hmm. to the original key. Didn't, didn't have to do that because there was that, yeah. and uh, and that's too bad uh, in my book. Uh, but I I really um, you know now I have to sell all my fish tickets. So yeah, you guys, yeah, you guys it's the there. reason that we are talking about this band <laughs> and, and and not seeing them in Mexico is because we knew. That they yep. were going to end these that moment. one jam. They just get. <laughs> I, I actually, um, I, I think I was listening on Sirius XM at this point, so I don't, I don't know the answer to this question. Did the entire audience leave when they did that? Or of course, <laughs> yeah, no, they yeah. not as many people beach. as during the encore on Thursday, but it was it was a significant amount. It looked like it emptied out. No. Um, <laughs> anybody have any final thoughts on Wolfman's Meg? I don't know. If, I don't know if you. I want to give everyone I loved a chance because it. it's so stunning. I thought it was fantastic. Jam. Yeah, Ben, did you get to say everything you wanted about Wolfman's? Um, yeah, I, I think so. Oh, you know, the one thing I wanted to mention, but I, I wish I had uh, remembered this, but but um, but somebody on Twitter last night during the Wolfman said that the scatting was a nod to Dave Matthews, and I just I just appreciated that comment. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I have. One more quick thought about the Wolfman's, and I was I, I I had it in my head compared to two versions I particularly love, and people who loved last night's Wolfman should check out the Baker's Dozen version from Velvet Night, which goes into a just gorgeous ambient jam, and has some of my favorite just leads between Trey and Paige, but also it didn't get as spooky 
but it did touch on elements of the 103198 version, which uh, is one of my favorite fish jams of all time. Um, we end the set then with Cavern. Um, my son stood in front of the television during Cavern and did the Cavern dance, which was uh, entertaining for us in our home. Um, and then we went to set break. And when we come back, the band comes back with a pretty accomplished set. They open up here with set your soul free. Um, this version we've, we've already heard, but in, in years past the 2019, uh, Mexico run features a 26 minute set your soul free. That is really fantastic. That ends up in mercury. The 2020 Mexico run has a set one set your soul free. That is really, really worth hearing. I was also on the Saturday night, Saturday night show of that run 222 2020 a very good show that has been overshadowed because of the pandemic um this version reminded me of elements i loved about the early part of this run but it kind of tapped back into the simple catapult machine jam from dicks last year it was kind of bubbly it was effervescent it became very demented when the synths came in um there were weird under pressure teases i i, I wrote at one point that there's no sign of coming home this is truly bizarre jamming it's interstellar they sound like mad scientists it is so <laughs> demented and then i ended by saying this is fucking bond villain jamming it just was evil. It was weird. It sounded like something from uh, like 1970s, like craft work. I loved <laughs> everything about this. Um, ben, what were your thoughts on the set your soul free? Um, totally with you on that. Yeah, this I think this was my favorite jam of the show and maybe of the run so far. Um, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was just kind of going along like a regular set your soul, soul free jam for a while. And it was just like something, something like a, a, a switch was flipped or something. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it sounded to me like at any given point, they could have started singing under pressure or quadraphonic topplings. And I was like, okay, oh. if like, those are the two directions you could go in, like that you're, you're in a pretty freaking cool place. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it just, it just kind of kept going from there. And I was like, you know, I feel like it, it, there were, there were times in 2.0 and early 3.0 where I just like dreamed that the band would be able to, to find these types of places mm -hmm. with such ease and never thought it would happen again. And it's, it's one of those moments where I'm kind of like pinching myself about where we are with fish right now. 100%. Meg, what were your thoughts on this? Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, the beginning of it is kind of like melodic and rhythmic. And then Fishman starts to play this like super tribal beat. And that's when Paige starts to come in with this like crazy synth madness. It's like Calypso we like. And I remember I was on the hotel bed and I had one of those moments and I was like, what song is this? And like, if you can feel that way, like, well, couch touring, like that's crazy. Like I, you know, when you're like in the middle of the show and the lights and you're dancing, it's easy to forget what song you're in, but like sure. to be at home and to feel that way, to be transported like that is pretty epic. I, I think the like resonant, dark, like juicy tray tones were just like, just incredible. I felt like was so deep, so spacey. I also felt like the end of the jam had like a lot of new textures and sounds that we haven't heard a lot from them, which I think is just exactly been like, how can we be 39 years in and getting new sounds? Like this band is 
so inventive still. It's just, I, I felt really um, excited by it. It was awesome. Yeah, I, I I won't waste a lot of time repeating what you guys said. But <laughs> I, I, I really, I just, the bit where they got deep into the synths, synth lord page and his buddy Dre yes. started making <laughs> things weird and i was thinking about our conversation yesterday brian how we uh you know i i believe i said that i really like i need and want that like extreme weirdness from time to time you know the cacophony from last summer like i don't want that to go away um incorporate it blend it into all these other the lighter sounds and the more um ambient kind of synthy sounds cool bring all those in too but like you know let's get good and weird and they did it here um the under pressure thing was wild and weird and i'm into it um and then uh and then i thought i felt like they transitioned nicely like they into simple and i've said on this show before that simple is not one of my favorites uh but I really liked this one. I liked the placement and the jam in it. And you'll forgive me for jumping into this next song. The jam in it was great. It had this cool-ass kind of blues rock sound. Mm -hmm. It sounded a little bit like Cool It Down um, structurally, but not quite. Mm -hmm. um, I think we kicked around a couple songs at the time in our in our text thread about what it what it sounded like, like spooky. There was elements of, uh, that could have, they could have gone into teasing spooky, which they haven't played really in forever. And, um, all of that, that was just so much fun. What a cool version of simple and not, you know, it's like almost 13 minutes. So, but not crazy long, but like all told that's 35 minutes of music. Those just in those first two songs, pretty rad. And, and they weren't done. Yeah, no, that's true. It's, it's, it, well, it, it was such an interesting thing in the simple jam because um, I think like both the fact that it like that it had a structure to it, um, you know, that like the the blues progression you were talking about, um, right. but also like the way that they went into it, it, it almost sounded like less like a jam and more like a segue. And I feel mm -hmm. like people kept saying like, wait, what what song mm -hmm. what song is this? Uh, like ZZYZX after the show, who who I think was at the show, uh, said like, hey, did did anyone figure out like what song they were playing in Simple? Um, and uh, and like I kept expecting them to start singing something, and then obviously they didn't. So it was it's it's weird and cool when that happens, but uh, but it was definitely I, I can't remember any other Simple that sounds anything like that. I know it gets into this like New Orleans kind of like really dancey, like funky, bluesy. I loved it. I thought it was super cool. Yeah, they, they really did organize it kind of like a song uh, mm -hmm. and outstanding. And I, I think it was a fun game trying to figure out like, what song is this? Where are we going? What are we doing? And, and they and they did nothing. When they finally went somewhere, they, it was nothing like what that jam had been. Um, well, let's talk about Sense because they came, mm -hmm. they landed into a proper sense and subtle sounds right um ben you're our guest tell us tell us your thought what'd you think when they actually rolled into sense and subtle sounds here so yeah my first thought i had actually i i was sure at one point coming out of the set your soul free that they were going to go into sense um so i was like pleasantly surprised to um 
have been wrong about that, but then to to still get a sense later in the set. My second thought, like so excited every time that we get both halves of sense. Mm-hmm. Right. Those just yeah. long together. Um, but yeah, this was, I, I mean, to me, this was one of definitely like the handful of best sense that, that we've ever heard. Um, mm-hmm. Like it just, it felt like it kept going to all these different interesting places. Like Trey was doing so much cool stuff. Fishman was doing so much cool stuff. And like, I, I have to listen back because I, I feel like I don't have a great sense of what even happened. But uh, but in the moment, it was just like every single thing that they're doing is uh, is so, so cool. Um, so, yeah, I was just just kind of 100 percent along for the ride. I was thinking think about that? how what were you were saying in the beginning, Ben, about this being effortless, their whole jamming right now. And this, it just seems like they're never kind of like searching or pushing. You know, in the past, you could hear that during jams, them kind of like looking for the next riff or the next place to go or the next kind of phrase. And here, they're not doing that at all. It seems like they're just listening. And it seems the music is just kind of like falling into these like beautiful grooves. And I just, I guess I was just amazed that like every song in this set so far has gone somewhere like totally amazing and interesting and not where you'd expect. And I was just, yeah, it was exciting. It's a pretty good place to be, right? Brian, yeah. what do you think about hey this sense? Hey, I, um, one thing I just want to say really quick about simple. I kept trying to say this, but, uh, I was, <laughs> I was, technology was, was holding me back. Um, I am not a fan of fish blues, but if Fish wants to play the blues like this out of a jam, I'm cool with it. It was a great little yeah. groove to fall into. And I, I agree with you. I think you said this, Jonathan. Like, I can't think of any other simple that's like this. And mm-hmm. it felt very unique. It felt like a fully formed song. But Sense and Subtle Sounds, um, the intro feels like it's fully back. And that is a really, really good thing. The intro is a part of the song. It's an essential part to understand the arc of what Trey's trying to sing about in the song. And for that to come back, it, it, it's it's something that I think is, it, it fits its place here with where Fish is at. Um, it, yeah. I want to I jump in and, and raise the, the question, the controversial question of, should the intro be separated on Fish.net? Because they have so often been played apart, and they are mm. separate on the album. I think the album choice was interesting and not the right move. And I think it created this whole mess that we're in of <laughs> sense can be played just with that. Like, is that an A chord? That opens this is the that? world you live in, man. You can't go retcon <laughs> universe. <laughs> um i think that the song is is written with the intro and and that is that is how it, that the intro is a part of the song is is my is my answer um okay. this again drops out into melodic nothingness we're just like in this spacious zone with sense and subtle sounds i heard some robert fripp playing from trey that i really loved um there was this like sharp move back into intense rock riffing. You get to this peak, then they move back towards minimalism, but it was a little bit more rhythmic. At one point towards the end, before it faded out into cross-eyed, I wrote Trey and Fish are just playing riffs around each other. And it just reminded me of um, there's a ghost from Nashville 2018 that is probably my favorite jam of 2018. 
and Mike and Trey sound like they're dueling for the lead of the jam, but in like a really, you know, in like, like if you're playing like one-on-one hoops with someone and like, you're just having a great game or like you're playing tennis against someone and almost doesn't matter who wins because like the competition is what it's about. Trey and Mike in that ghost sound that way of like, Oh yeah, you're going to play that riff. I'm going to throw you this. Can you keep up with it? And Trey and fish sounded that way towards the end of this sense. And I love that because it's just the two of them, you know, friends for 40 years at this point in time, just jamming together on stage in Mexico and coming up with new ideas and kind of these themes that we keep going back to of how are they still doing this? How are they still finding new sounds? How are they still finding new ideas? To me, it all comes back to like, there's a friendly competition of we're all trying to communicate together, but you throw something out. I'm going to try to throw something out that challenges you. And um, I forget, is it foam? No, it's limb by limb that Trey wrote the the song yep. to basically say John Fishman can't play this, and then John Fishman played it, and it you know he wanted to write a drum beat that Fishman could not play in any way, shape, or form, and he did it, and that that is just like a amazing part of Fish. What what were you guys thoughts as as this jam was ending? Well, I I know. I don't really remember my thoughts, but I do remember what I texted to you guys, which was that, um, you know, at this point we were three songs into set two and they were all S songs. Mm. And when they finished, well, when they stopped playing sense, they started playing cross-eyed and painless. I I wrote, well, the S set is out, but the relentless set is still on because they were just going for it hard. And I think that uh, something I didn't really reflect on last night, but I have since, is that I'm glad it wasn't properly or intended to be any sort of themed set, like an S set. Those things are always fun, right? They're a blast. It's so cool when they do stuff like that with intention. But at the same time, the fact that they're delivering such a strong set without a framework is is better arguably and in this case i think it works quite well then where were, were you at this point the, so this was actually the point right as as sense was ending i have a um uh like a group text with three friends of mine who are like fish fans but are not following every show as it happens um and and this was the point where i texted them and i was like you got you got to make sure you're listening to these to these shows like the band is just continues to be on fire they ju- they're just playing like one of one of maybe one of the best sense that they've ever played um yeah it 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 uh it inspired me to fire up my sms threats um but then <laughs> but then it was also i don't know cross-eyed was such an interesting call because it's um mm-hmm. yeah i mean first of all i can't think of too many times that cross-eyed has appeared this late in a second set when especially like when the band is clearly in a jamming mood mm-hmm. um and yeah. uh yeah it's kind of a you know it's like a we mean business sort of call and uh and you know it's it's kind of ballsy yeah, and another example said... oh go ahead Jonathan. Oh, oh this is brief i think i think what i said when they dropped into it was oh shit so, which is what I would have said if I was on the beach at the time. I would, probably would have drawn totally. it out a little longer, but same words. <laughs> ahead, yeah, this song, anytime they 
this kicks off, you're like, you know, it's a good night. And I feel like this is another one of those examples where the song, the jam they get to is so different than how the song is. I mean, they get to this like super ethereal and delicate and some of my favorite kind of fish music, like really, really beautiful and just stunning, gorgeous music and coming out of like such a drum heavy, like rock song. It's just, it's so interesting how they can do that. I thought this was fun. I was excited when when they played this. And it's interesting now how, you know, like we were talking about last year, the song selection is so different now and, and matters in such a different way. Um, it's, I mean, this set list on paper is a little confusing, but then it worked so well, I feel like. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, uh, I can't really think of a lot of examples where Crossside has played this late. Um mm. One that immediately comes to mind is 5-27-2011, which is it's kind of the a fourth song. It's how late could it be? Well, yeah, but it's it, it, Cross-Eyed <laughs> and Painless kind of reminds me of, um, it's kind of like Golden mm-hmm. Age in the sense that mm-hmm. it's either going to kick off a second set because it, it works really well as, as, a, as a launch. Maybe pad. the two-hole, right? After or the two-hole. Short new opener uh, kind of song. Right. And, yeah. it, and it kind of is the song that like, okay, we've played this. Now we're going to play Cross-Eyed because Cross-Eyed is a reliable song that we know we can play for 12 to 15 minutes with limited effort. Let's see what ideas we get. You know, and it's kind of that that first jam vehicle of the set of the set to have it come after a 22 minute set your soul free, a 10 minute really unique simple, 12 minute unique simple and a 17 minute one of the best sense and subtle sounds we've ever heard. It, it is my my initial thought was we're 50 odd minutes into the set mm-hmm. right now. Like if they played this long enough, we might be seeing another four song second set, two zeros in a row. That's incredibly rare. That's not something that anyone's predicting um, or expecting at this point in time. I may be wrong saying this, but I feel like the the last time and perhaps the only other time that's happened is where we saw it had back to back four song second sets was eleven nineteen ninety seven and eleven twenty one ninety seven. If I'm wrong on that, someone please correct me. Um, but this jam is a huge call. We go into that weightless zone again almost immediately. It's a very unique spin on cross eyed. Um, I texted you guys and I wrote down in my notes, Trey just can't stop finding great ideas. Like Mm -hmm. every riff he plays feels pre-written. It feels like they're just, they're communicating without any sort of effort at this point in time. It's kind of subtle. We're in this melodic zone of brilliance. And then we're kind of moving through hypnotic space that had more energy. And I thought that they were going to build at that point in time before moving into waste. But I thought that this was just a great, I say little in quotes because this was a shorter jam than we'd heard throughout the rest of uh, the show in a lot of cases, but still just as accomplished and just still showcasing an ability for them to drop into a space where there's almost no effort, you know, required. They're just playing music at this point. Yeah. It's I, I wrote down in in my my notes about this. um, John Fishman just thrives in in grooves like this and then i wrote mm. but actually john fishman kind of thrives in everything he does um but <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, yeah it's i like one thing i was thinking about like it, it's just such a cool space that the f- band is finding itself the band is finding itself in we were talking a second ago during sense about how you know um trey and fishman 
just like the way that they interact is is so key to what's going on right now. But I think you it's it's also true that that each of the band members, um, the amount that they have been practicing and, mm-hmm. you know, like honing their rigs, um, how comfortable they, they feel with their rigs at this point, it it's really shining through. I mean, during th- this jam, like like you're saying, Brian, Trey's ideas were, were so great. Fishman's chops are just I mean, he, he just adds so much to every jam. Um, the work that Paige Page was doing, I think he was on the electric piano for this jam, and it just it just really gave an incredible character to the jam. It was really restrained, and Mike holding it down the whole time. Um, it's like the band is so is so together as a quartet, but um, but each one of them is is really on top of their game right now. Um, it's it's cool. You know, people on Twitter, I think, were saying it, or maybe it was in our text thread. It's like, how is it that we're here after 39 years or some ridiculous amount of years since this band started? And um, 29, 39, 49, 50. They've been together for about 80 years, right? Um, And yet so young. But I, I think it's we're just extremely fortunate to be witnessing it. It was you, Meg, who sent something like, we got to see this band in the 90s and they were so great. And then how are they? And they're still just so good right now. And um, I think, Ben, you you just laid it out perfectly, is that they really are individually playing a very high game and collectively even higher than they ever have before. The communication on stage is outstanding. Um, Mike still has his... Um, you know, I... I, I I've heard people say that Mike looks disconnected or uninterested sometimes during fish. And I realize that that's just his playing face. <laughs> you know, he's like, sometimes he'll look over and, you know, he, you know, he, but really that's just his playing face. Like I have, I know somebody who plays drums and I don't think he realizes how much his tongue is sticking out of his mouth when he's doing it. And that's fine. Cause that's his playing face. And Mike is there to play and he's playing great. He sounds good. We know he spent some time working on his rig last year. Uh, he, ta- he posted a bunch of posts about it on the summer. And uh, I don't know if he's happy with where it is, but I'm pretty happy with where it is. Um, and they, uh, they're they just delivering so strong. It's really astounding. Um, and we're, we are really lucky, <laughs> as Stacy points out. And, and we should be grateful That's to perfect, be on Earth yeah. at the same time as the fish from Vermont. Yes, it's true. Um, so there, there. That's my gushing for the episode. For the rest, from here on out, I will be hating. So carry on. <laughs> well, we us to waste. <laughs> it's 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 a good because uh, I think we can almost think of waste and and blazon as 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 kind of a you know twofer in the sense of like they 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 fade into waste at this point. I think that they kind of had Trey must have realized at some point, like, wow, we haven't played a ballad yet this entire show. Um, we should probably slow it down. Just like get people contemplative here. Waste is a song that, you know, at one point in it's in its career was pretty overplayed. Now they have a lot of uh, ballads at their disposal. So it's a rarer song at this point. Um, I think it's always got a really just, you know, great message to it. The, the, the overall solo from Trey is excellent. Blazon, though, here to close out the second set was a ripping version. Um, it had some very serious shred. It reminded me of um, uh, the, I'm just pulling it up here from the night before. 
Um, no, the Sigma Oasis from the first night of the run. It reminded me of that, of just like there's so much energy happening from Trey, and he seems to be on both from a melodic, blissful, weightless standpoint, but also from a shreddy standpoint. Um, any thoughts that you guys had just on these last two songs of, of the second set before we get to the encore? Well played. They were well played. <laughs> yeah, great. Well played. Well played. <laughs> I like yeah. that. Golf clap. That's it. That's it. Golf well, clap. I, I think the um, the waste benefited from the patience that we've been talking about this mm. this weekend. Um, I thought it was a pretty version, um, and I, I like that Blazon demonstrates the capacity to be an opener and a closer. Um, yeah, ping ponging between those because it's kind of a ripper. It can open into a big jam, mm -hmm. or it can just stay rocking and close out a set. Uh, well, well done here. So they come back on stage for the encore, and we get a wedge. Always welcome. Oh, I was like, point. "Wow, this yeah. would be cool." Wedge, wedge, and the encore in the show. Mm -hmm. That'd be fun. Yeah, cool. And I'm gonna get to bed nice and early. Yeah, I kind of <laughs> figured this was gonna be the one song, and then they were gonna walk off, and uh, we get Sleeping Monkey. Page Which drives, you know hard means time. they're having a good time. Which always means they're having a good time, and it always means that Paige is, you know, crying on the inside, and is also incredibly happy that they're playing it. And Trey uses this as an opportunity to uh, dedicate it to the people of Mexico who welcome fish to their home, uh, which was very thoughtful. Speaking of gratitude, you can see it on stage. Trey said it many times like, hey, please, please bring us back. Um, you know, this sense of gratitude has been something that's permeated around the band since they came back in July 2020. And you kind of hear it at every step of, hey, we realize that we're pretty lucky to do this, that this could be taken away for a variety of reasons. And um, we want to make sure that anyone who's in our orbit knows that we're thankful for them, um, which then fades into slave, which. I don't want to get nitpicky at this point because I think this was a really good show, but my only nitpick would be, I think if you had gone cross-eyed into Slave, you have a pretty damn close to perfect second set there. It, it thematically would have fit, but I will never complain with wherever Slave is played and having it be the encore after we've heard so many set one versions, having it be the mm -hmm. song that just like gives you that contemplation, that reflection, that just one last, ah, and then the show's over. Um, anyone have any thoughts to share just about this encore and about any of these performances? It was really good. I mean, you know, I think when you hear Sleeping Monkey as the second song of an encore, you assume the show is ending. Um, yeah. But uh, who's going to complain about, you know, being sent off into the night on a beach in Mexico with Slave to the Traffic Light? Um, it's a good way to end a show. Especially yeah, if you don't I like have to get it. in a car. Yeah, exactly. You're just walking to the beach, like walking through the water. Yeah, I mean, I thought this was a gorgeous version, and I do like it as like this third song in the encore. It makes it kind of feel like extra special. And I just I think that even like just a well-played version of Slave is so good. I mean, the like piercing mm. peaks at the end. I got chills and I was just at home. You know, it was it wasn't like or at the hotel, but I was just like not at the concert and I was still getting chills. I mean, it's just it's incredible. And I think probably left everyone there feeling really great. I wonder what the slave. Mm -mm. You can't. Never. That's all there is. I really wonder what the post-show vibe is of it's got to be like a festival where you're going back to I think it's a party. The pool yeah. looks like people have been putting videos up and it looks like there's like some pretty awesome after parties going on. Well, I mean, the show ends 
pretty early local time there. And as Trey said to everybody at the end of Slave, you know, be safe. Because uh, he knows that it's a party and it's still kind of early. And so, yeah, I'm pretty sure folks were, you know, ready to roll back to the room and climb into bed and go to sleep. Every 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 guest at the at the event was in bed within the hour. I'm sure. It's it's that last you know it's it's the vibe of we wake up tomorrow we have another fish show, and when we go to bed after the after the last fish show, we got to get on a plane and fly back to America. Don't that's you're so thinking I've, way too far I've, ahead. I'm sorry. I've no, got to imagine tomorrow. Last night was all we got to do night. is hit the buffet. Yeah, and then there's a fish show in the afternoon. <laughs> what a bummer. You know, yeah, we'll have some time good. to float the lazy river. You know, come we on. Will. That I don't. Do they have one of those there? I don't even know. Um, they have to, right? They've got to have sure. a lazy river. Well, I mean, um, you could just float in the, 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 the sea there, I suppose. I know nothing about the logistics of building a lazy river, but, you know, I just have to imagine they have one. Um, so this was a pretty good show. I'm going to go around. Meg, what were your kind of last thoughts on 2-26-2022? Great show. Great show with some truly inspired moments of jamming. Jonathan, how's this band still so good? And, and ben. yeah, I think one of these days they're going to figure out a way to play an average set, but they haven't done it in a while. <laughs> I like that. That's it. Yeah. I keep waiting for like the reset show and it just doesn't seem to exist anymore. It's a, it's a really good place to be. Um, Ben, I want to thank you so much for joining us here this morning and talking through your thoughts. Uh, we will see you again tomorrow. You'll be hanging with us to recap the final night of Fish Mexico. Um, final afternoon, evening. We're going to get a daylight set here, which always is fun in Mexico to get the daylight set. Um, have yourself a great Sunday, Ben, and we will talk with you here uh, at the same time tomorrow. All right. Thank you guys so much for having me. Great being with you. All right. I'll talk with you soon, man. Bye, Ben. All right. So we will be back here tomorrow. Um, Before we do that, Meg, do you want to tell us once more about our friends at Sunset Lake CBD? I'd love to. So Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm, and they're located just outside Burlington, Vermont. For years, Sunset Lake was a dairy farm, and they produced milk for Ben and Jerry's ice cream. But in 2019, they diversified and started growing hemp for CBD. And they're amazing. They embrace Vermont's tradition for land stewardship. They use sustainable and regenerative farming techniques. They build and protect healthy soils. They're 100% pesticide-free. They use minimal tillage, and they implement cover crops and crop rotations. They also serve as a research farm for the University of Vermont, Argonomists to study hemp and inform best industry practices. I've become a huge CBD fan, all thanks to Sunset Lake. I really love their gummies and their tinctures, and I just think they have an incredible product line, and they've got something for everyone, so check them out. Go to sunsetlakecbd.com and use the coupon code HFPOD, and you get 20% off all products. So that's Sunset Lake CBD, farmer-owned, Vermont-grown. 
And what an organization they are. I've been utilizing them extensively throughout this weekend to enjoy and get the most out of the fish shows. Uh, fantastic, fantastic company. Um, well, guys, thank you so much. This has been a really fun weekend recapping fish. And um, we will be back uh, tomorrow at 1 p.m. Eastern to cover the last night of fish in Mexico. And then we will be back on Wednesday to talk Mexico as kind of give us a few days to kind of recap. Hopefully we'll have RJB back with us to talk through his experience on the ground in Mexico. Um, last thing I will on the sand, excuse me, (laughs) as many of those as possible in, um, last thing I will remind you all is please subscribe to Osiris Media on Apple Podcasts. It allows you to hear ad-free episodes. It allows you to get bonus content from this group as well as the Undermine team as well as uh, some Past Under the Scales episodes as well as a lot more to come. Um, we have a lot more that's on the the horizon with the premium feed, but we'd encourage you to subscribe to that to get both ad-free as well as more content from those podcasters that you love and it helps to support a great company like osiris media beyond that jonathan megan thank you so much this was such a fun time hanging out i hope you guys have a great rest of your sunday and i will look forward to uh texting with both of you as i'm sure we will do as uh fish takes the stage late afternoon in cancun it should be great that's like really soon, you guys. So uh, if you got stuff to do with your Sunday, you better get on it because fish is coming. I gotta up. get moving. Ugh. Gotta get moving. This was fun. Well, thanks. <laughs> this was a lot of fun. Thanks everyone out there for listening, for hanging with us. We will see you back here tomorrow. Take care, everybody. Bye, y'all. Thanks, everybody. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today, such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. 
Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts. And new episodes come out every Monday. Hey, this is Aaron from No Simple Road. I'm inviting you to come hang out with Apple, Mel, and I as we talk with the musicians, artists, chefs, authors, and beyond from the world that turns us on. We're reaching into the improvisational music scene, the psychedelic culture, the festival world, and getting to know what makes the people tick that create those scenes. Come join us on the long, strange trip over at No Simple Road. 